0: And then tonight, uh, we're ending the Follow Me series, and so it's been really fun, and uh, I just want to jump right in it tonight, because I'm really excited to what I have to share with you, but let's just pray and spend some time with Jesus uh, before we get into his word. Uh, Jesus, we come before you, and we we come in your name. Uh, Jesus, we come before you because you are the King of kings, you are the Lord of lords, uh, you are the God above everything, and Jesus, we want to hear from you tonight. And God, I'm so thankful for the lyrics of these songs that we just sang. Uh, Jesus, that you are the calmer of storms. Uh, And Jesus, I'm thankful that one day you will calm the storm of this world. God, and you will usher in your peace with your kingdom once and for all. Uh, But Lord, until uh, that day comes, God, I'm thankful that you are a God who calms uh, the storm in our heart, God, as we are in storms. And so Jesus, I know I've been walking through a lot in my life right now, and I'm just so grateful for you. And um, God, I just want to meet you tonight, and I want this community to meet you too. Amen. Um, sorry I'm getting emotional tonight. I don't know what's going on, but Jesus is, me and Jesus are just having a lot of conversation uh, today. Um, so probably two weeks ago, I got done playing basketball with some of the guys that I play with uh, on Monday afternoons, which, by the way, if you're a dude and you want to play basketball, Monday's at 4, text me, it'll be great. Um, but I was, I was walking off the court, and uh, Jesus just stopped me in my tracks. And I just, it was, it was you know, how, you ever have those moments where you just like stop, like you're in the middle of something completely random and you just hear God's voice like that? It was one of those moments and God just stopped me and said, you're too used to me. And uh, I'm a church kid. I don't ever remember a time not going to church. Um, and I remember, uh, I was telling Tyler, I don't know when I met Jesus, but the earliest moment that I can remember really loving him. Like, really loving him and being moved by him was, like, uh, second grade. And there's this, I went to a Christian school, we had this play, and there's just, there's lyrics to the song, I don't even know what song it was, but it was, it was, the lyrics were something like, you thought of me above all, and I just remember being there in that moment, and I was just so overwhelmed with the love of Jesus, and just the simplicity of, like, I just, he loves me, and I really love him. And then as I kind of like grew older in my faith, you know, in and out of seasons of feeling close with him. And it it just kills me because one of the things that I just fight over and over is, I don't know if you guys are similar. Maybe you are, maybe you're not. um, But it it kills me how I can be in in such close proximity to Jesus and still miss him. Uh, And and Jesus, one of the things that he's just been working on my heart, he's like, Corey, you're just too used to me. And 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 the reason I share that is because what I'm going to share with you tonight is a familiar passage. And it's not just a familiar passage, but it, it like this passage that I'm going to talk about at the end of Matthew 28 is really just like it's re, it's three really just simple things about what it means to be a Christian. And if you just hear it, you'll go, yeah, I know. That's what we are. That's what we do. But it won't really hit you. You know what I'm saying? And so what I want to challenge you tonight is what Jesus has been challenging me with is don't let your proximity and your familiarity with Jesus block you from hearing the beautiful things of the most simple things, if that makes sense. So what we're going to see in tonight's passage is that as Christians, uh, there's three W's, uh, that we are people who worship Jesus, we are people that work with Jesus, and that we are people that wait for Jesus. We're people of worship, we're people of work. And we're a people who wait. Uh, if you have your Bibles, open up to Matthew 28. Um, so Matthew 28, like, kinda, here's the picture. Here's where we are in the series. We're asking the question, what does it mean to follow Jesus according to Jesus in this series? I don't know about you. I don't want to follow a false version of Jesus. I don't want to follow a church version of Jesus. I want to follow, like, the real person, like, Jesus himself. Like, that's my desire. I hope that's your desire. And that's what we're trying to unpack. And so Brian Berger, who's the next gen pastor... Uh he, he had a great message last week. I was super thankful for that. Um, and it gave me just a night off to just to kind of be there with you. But Brian, he taught us about the ways of the kingdom. So Jesus, he, t- he had this line. He said, listen, it doesn't make sense to be in awe of Jesus and then to go learn from somebody else's feet about how to live. And so he kind of said, like, listen, as Christians, yes, we need to be in awe of Jesus. But we also need to sit at Jesus' feet. And so Jesus instructs his disciples in this new kingdom life that is totally backwards, upside down, inside out from the way that this world is. And so kind of fast forward, Jesus kind of continues his life. Uh, he goes to the cross, and he, he pays the penalty for his people's sin. All the ways that we've lived that don't measure up to his kingdom, uh, that actually stain the image of God that God has placed on us and in us. Jesus died for that. He rises again. And then he meets with his disciples one last time to give them a commission before he goes to the throne of God. Before he sits down and rules all nations. This is the last meeting. Can you imagine this? If you, You've spent three years with Jesus, and this is it. And I don't know about you, but you're probably familiar with people's last words are always their most important words, aren't they? And so Jesus speaks to his disciples one last time. And so the first thing that we see is that as Christians, we are people who worship Jesus. Look with me at Matthew 28, verses uh, 16 through 17. So it says, then the 11 disciples uh, went to Galilee. Uh, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. So, so Jesus like, goes ahead of his disciples. He goes to the Mount of Olives, uh, scholars think, which, by the way, you could go into your Google search bar, type in Mount of Olives. You can actually see the mountain where this happened. So he goes to the mountain uh, where Jesus had told them to go. I love this. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Now pause, get in the scene for a second. Have you ever thought about how ridiculous your faith is if you're a Christian? What's happening in this moment? See, all throughout the Gospels, the gospels all throughout these uh, kind of stories that we're reading of Jesus, there's all these moments where, like, people, like, bow at Jesus. And, and all throughout kind of the stories, it's, it's never really, like, the word that's being used is never, like, worship. It's more like I'm kneeling before you. Like, you guys seen, like, an old movie where, like, they kneel before a king. It's kind of like this, like, I just, out of respect, I kneel before you because I know you're a man of position, authority, power, but at the very end of this, uh, at the end of this book, Jesus' disciples see the friend that they walk with rise from the dead, and they worship him. They bow down, and they worship a human being as God. I was talking with uh, Ray before this, and I was just like, isn't it crazy that we as Christians, like if you just say it out loud, you sound absolutely crazy like we think a, a real human being who is about 30 years old is God like Jesus like like could you imagine like what like somebody you went to middle school with like who stubbed like you saw him trip on the playground right like you saw like you knew what type of hairstyle they had the type of smile they had like like if they like their personality like like this is a real human being Jesus of Nazareth and they're bowing down and worshiping him. And so what what, what Matthew wants you to see in, in all sorts of different things, he's trying to show you that, that Jesus is worthy to be worshipped, that he is the king of kings and the lord of lords, and he does it indirectly. There's, there's kind of a couple things that I noted, noticed about this. One, I noticed Jesus' attitude. Jesus receives worship, and he doesn't reject it. So Jesus, like... Not only do they bow down and worship him, but Jesus doesn't actually reject their worship. All throughout the gospel stories, you see like angels will appear to somebody. You know, people will bow down and worship. they like, hey, don't give worship to me. Like these people start giving worship to Jesus and Jesus receives it. Jews only believe that one, like there was only one God that was worthy, worthy to be worshiped. And they worship him, and Jesus receives it. There's something else that's really interesting uh, that Matthew wants you to see. He wants you to see Jesus receiving worship, but he also wants to show you that Jesus is God by his location. So at first, you just see Jesus on a mountain with his disciples. But if you're actually familiar with the Old Testament story, how did people meet God in the Old Testament? They go up on a mountain. And so if you go back in the book of uh, Exodus, you have Moses, who was called by God on top of a mountain, and he meets the living God, and then the living God sends him away with a task, right? You fast forward to the book of 1 Kings, you have Elijah, this prophet. He goes to meet with the living God on a mountain, and then he's, God sends him away with a task. And then all of a sudden you get to here, and you're like, oh my gosh, the living God is on the mountain in the form of a human being. Named Jesus of Nazareth, and the disciples bow down and worship. Now, just let me ask you a simple question. When was the last time you worshiped Jesus? I really want you to think about it. When was the last time you worshiped Jesus? Because one of the things that I've just been thinking about in my life and in my walk with the Lord is I've given a lot of thanks to Him. I've, uh, I've been in so many environments where people were worshiping him. But I was at this uh, Young Adults event on Sunday night from one of our other congregations, and we were singing this line and, uh, of the song, and it just said, Jesus, I love you. And I was just sitting, and I was singing these words, and I was just being brought to tears. Because one of the things that Jesus asked me, he goes, when was the last time you said that genuinely? Because I had gotten so used to being in his presence. I've gotten so used to just hearing about his name. I've gotten so used to the songs, but I hadn't been able to stop and just worship Jesus. And I think this is really like, I really want to encourage you. Uh, I think there's so many things that actually prevent us from worshiping Jesus. One, uh, if you're like me, how often do you just get so caught up in how you are following Jesus that you actually miss the beauty of worshiping him? You know what I'm saying? Like, I, uh, like I'm, a, I'm a performance person, I'm like a, like, a, there's always, like, a goal or a task, but, like, sometimes I'll just sit in my, at my desk in my morning where I'm just, like, spending time with Jesus, and I'm just running through all the ways of how I'm following. I'm like, am I doing this well, am I doing that well, I haven't been doing that, and I realize I spend the first 10 minutes of my time with Jesus just confessing things, and I get so caught up in the how, of how I'm following Jesus, am I doing it right, what am I doing wrong, Oh, I'm not measuring up, that I actually miss the beauty of just worshiping him like these disciples. And maybe that's you, and I just want to encourage you, listen, if you have a mind full of how you failed, you will never get to worshiping him. The way that you get over the failure in your life, the way that you get over the sin in your life, is not by looking to your sin It's by bowing down and worshiping Jesus and seeing him as beautiful. And the reason I think we need to hear that, and one of the things that I've I've just seen in my own life, is that, listen, we can worship the experience of Jesus over actually worshiping Jesus himself. We can worship the experience of Jesus rather than worshiping Jesus himself. I was listening to a podcast, and I was talking about how in American culture, we, we're, we're really good at building experiences, and if, if the experience at this church is good, I'll show up again because I loved the experience, and, and what ends up happening is like, well, if I get bored, I'll just go to the next one, or, or more personally, like if I get bored reading my Bible, if I get bored praying, I'm going to stop praying because that doesn't give me the experience, and one of the things that in my life and in your life, you can measure is if you worship Jesus or if you actually worship the experience of Jesus, is if you show up when the experience isn't there. And you lift your eyes and you give Jesus praise because he's God and worthy to be worshiped. But I don't know if you noticed in this passage, it said, So they bowed down and worshiped Jesus, but there were others there who doubted. Now, it makes sense. Put yourself in the story. Uh, listen, your friend just, you saw him get crucified. (laughs) You saw him die, literally, and then now he he called you, and you're on, he's on, you're on a mountain with him, and you're like, is this guy, like, is this happening right now? Like, so there's, there's these disciples there, like, some are worshiping, and others are doubting, and listen, there's two, there's, like, two types of doubt in the Bible. There's, the first type of doubt is just, like, outright denying. So, like, this is like I actually don't believe this thing's legit. I actually completely like I just reject it. That's not what's going on in this passage with those who are doubting. The actual word here says when it says those who those were who doubting, it it's, really has the idea of wrestling or uh, hesitating, because they're trying to put together like I only know there, I know there's one God, but like, is this Him? And so they're wrestling there. And then the reason I think that is significant is because let's just be honest. I think the realities of worship and doubt. Live in us at the same time. I was having a coffee with a a young adult from this community, and he was just talking with me. He's like, I really do believe Jesus rose from the dead, like deep down. Like, I really do. I believe he's God. I believe he's worthy of worship, but I just really wrestle with doubt and I struggle with it. And your doubt may not actually be like, is this thing legit or not? But some of you, I've had seasons where I'm like, am I even a Christian? There's actually moments maybe you're not supposed to say this as a pastor, where I go, like, is this thing really real? <laughs> you know? Like, what is going, like, is, I have those moments, and I kind of, like, get, like, it's panicky, you know? And I'm like, well, now I can't worship Jesus because I, now I don't have faith. And you kind of, like, when doubt and worship live inside of you, it really starts to mess with you, doesn't it? You might be doubt and suffering. It might be doubt because of your actions. It might be doubt because, like, your siblings losing faith. Like, I've seen... Family members that I have start to unravel, and I'm like, what the heck is happening? And it causes me to doubt, and I really struggle. And here's what I wrote down as I was reflecting on this, because I thought it was really significant. Listen, your doubt doesn't disqualify you from worship. And your doubt doesn't make your worship fake. See, so many of you, when you're wrestling with doubt, even in a room like this, I've been here, I wrestled like, is, like God, are you even moving? Why are they, do they seem to be receiving you? Why do I not be? Like, what's going on? Like, and I'll actually pull out from worship because my doubt is what's driving my worship. But here's what I want to tell you. I think when, when you have worship and doubt both living inside of you at the same time, I think it's actually a deeper expression of faith. Now, here's what I mean. If you feel completely sure of everything that you're that you could be wrestling with like you have no doubt at all it's easy to worship is it not but when you have doubt inside of you and you're really wrestling and you go God I'm still gonna worship I think God goes that's faith because faith wouldn't be faith if there was no need for faith Do you get what I'm saying so what I want you to see is you have doubt and worship, and sometimes those both live inside of us. And I want, to, I want to let you know, your doubt does not disqualify you from worship, and it does not make your worship fake. It actually might be a truer expression of faith, so give your worship to Jesus. Make sense? All right, <clears throat> and here's why I think that's important. Only when you see Jesus as worthy of worship will you recognize the privilege of working with him. Only when you recognize the privilege of working with Jesus, and it starts with him being worthy of worship, you'll realize working with him is incredible. And that's the second thing that we see. One, uh, Christians are people who worship Jesus. And second, Christians are people who work with Jesus. Look at me, or no, don't look at me. Look at your Bibles. Look at verse 18. It says, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples or apprentices of me, of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the end of the age. One of the things that I just have been really thinking about lately is this fact that, like, God does not need you to do what he wants to do in the world. Like, have you ever thought about that? Like, like, God doesn't need me up here. He doesn't need me up here. He could have anybody else do it. God doesn't need you, but he wants to work with you. I always think about those people that like, kind of like name drop, the people that they work with. And I, and I look at this passage, I'm like, listen, God, through Jesus, is creating a kingdom revolution across this world, and he could do it himself, but he goes, no, I want to do it with you. And I get to go, man, we get to actually partner with God and what he's doing in the world. Like, God. Like, I don't know how to say it. Like, we get to partner with God and with what he's doing in the world. And then before he gives them a task, before Jesus gives his disciples a task, he wants, them, he wants to give them confidence. And he says, listen, Jesus goes, listen, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. And, and the reason why, have you ever been, in, like, going, gone into a job and, like, not been confident about it? You know, like, so Jesus, like, he, he knows that reality. He goes, Listen, I'm going to ask you to go, like, make disciples of all nations. Like, that's a massive task that you can't do yourself. And he goes, Listen, have confidence. All authority in, on, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And there's two reasons that's significant. One, Jesus is giving his disciples his stamp of approval, which is really significant because what that means is whenever you speak of Christ in love, you're within your rights as a Christian. I was wa- I was talking with my wife, and, and uh, she's, a, she's a teacher, she's a middle school science teacher, and we were really talking about this, because we we're like, man, we really believe, like, we are sent people, sent by God into the places that he's put us, and, but Crystal School, they tell her, like, hey, you're not supposed to talk about your faith, like, you're just not supposed to do it, and so she's like, I don't even, like, how, like, in order to, like, respect my authorities and, like, do I speak about Christ? Am I allowed to speak about Christ to my students? And a lot of her students are very, like, they just think Christians are ridiculous. And so it's just a weird spot. And one of the things that we were talking about, I'm like, like, Crystal, you're a Christian first, a teacher second. God has given you his approval to speak of his name where you are. And I don't know where you are, I don't know where God has sent you. But when you recognize that the king of kings has given you his approval, that'll give you confidence to go and speak of him. The second thing that's really significant is that Jesus, he's not just saying, listen, go make disciples for me. He's saying, go make disciples with me, because I'm the one who's actually going to be doing this, so Jesus is saying, listen, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, what Jesus is saying, you're not just working for Jesus, but you're, you're working with him to make his authority known in the world, so I don't know if you know this, but if uh, this is like Christianity 101, but it's not as like, common as you might think, uh, Jesus, when he says I've been given authority now, what he's saying is, I am already king so often we talk about Jesus being king someday Right? Like, when he comes, he'll really be king. But what Jesus is saying is, like, I'm king now. Like, when, like, when I was raised up on the cross, that was in my enthronement as king. When I was given crowns, on, like, when I was given thorns on my head, that was my crown. And when I was lifted up above all people, it was on a cross. And I don't know about you. I've asked the question. Maybe you're new to Faith in the Room, and you've asked the question, But it's a logical question. If Jesus is already ruling the world, then how does so much of the world not reflect that? Have you ever thought that? Like, if Jesus is already king, he says all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. How in the world is that not actually reflected in the world? And and Jesus, listen, when he's saying that, he's not saying that the world is as it should be. What he's claiming is, this is really significant, that the project of what he's doing in the world only goes forward as long as his followers are taking it forward. I need to say that again. What Jesus is saying here is his authority and his kingdom only goes forward as far as his followers, you and me, actually take it forward. That's what Jesus is saying here. N.T. Wright, an author, says this. He goes, those who believe in Jesus, who are witnesses to his resurrection, are given the responsibility to go, I love this, and make real In the world, the authority which Jesus already has. I love that. Go make real in the world what Jesus already has. This, after all, is part of the answer to the prayer that God's kingdom will come on earth as in heaven. I love this. If we pray that prayer, we shouldn't be surprised if we are called upon to help bring God's answer to it in the world. And so what Jesus is saying here is, listen, listen, my authority, yes, I want all people all languages, everywhere to know, in your workplace. And I want kingdom realities to happen. But if you're going to pray, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done, get ready to be called upon to actually go make it happen. And so I just want to actually pose the question to you. What have you been praying for in your life that is about God's kingdom coming wherever you are? And what are you doing about it? What is God calling you to do to actually make his authority known in that place? And so Jesus wants us to move that project forward. And so he gives us four ways of how we actually do that. The first one is that we, uh, he says, we go out into the world. He says, go and make disciples. Um, Listen, wherever you are, wherever you, like, happen to be, your neighborhood, your work, your school, do you view it as a place that you've been sent by Jesus because I don't I know this is true in my life if I view myself as sent into a place how I think about that place and how I show up in that place changes when I think about like if I just happen to live in my neighborhood then I would just happen to live and I would just do whatever but if I see myself as sent into my neighborhood Actually, how I like, live, how I schedule my time, how I relate with my neighbors, it actually changes how I live and how I show up. And so wherever you are, what Jesus is saying, listen, go. You've been sent by the king into that place to represent Jesus. I love to think of myself as somebody like, uh, like I, I've been sent to 710. I've been sent by Jesus to care and to love and to teach the word of God. And Jesus has sent you. The second thing that he says, and we'll, we'll move through these quick, is that we, we baptize. So we send people, we baptize people in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And what's interesting is it says, baptize them in the name. The name is Singular. It's not plural. He doesn't say, but baptize them in the name of the Father and in, in the other name of the Son. And the, like in the, no, he says, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And what Jesus is saying, listen, I publicly purchased you on my own. And so go out and evangelize, spread my gospel, spread the news of the kingdom, so that people would publicly identify with the name of the living God. I loved uh, I love Sunday. Because this can seem like a word, but then you actually say, like, this is actually like real people, like actually being changed by Jesus, being baptized. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, I don't. So Noah, Aiden, Ricky, Caden, Reese. Are you guys in here? One of you? A couple of you guys? Well, I, I wanted to put these pictures in the screen because this is what Jesus is about. Like, guys, listen about Jesus. Like, is really about changing lives to this day, and he's really about people like actually being transformed by his gospel and making that a public thing. And so I love these pictures. We have pictures of. Uh, Look at our friend McGregor. (laughs) Ricky. This is what's incredible about, go back really quick. What's incredible about this story is Kendrick a year ago was in that tub. A year ago, Kendrick was in that tub, being baptized, being branded with the name of God. And then here comes Ricky. And this is what Jesus is saying, go and make disciples. This is what's happening. So, you have Ricky, incredible testimony of God changing his life. Uh, you, got, you got Reese here. Reese gave his life to Jesus uh, last winter camp. Absolutely incredible. Yeah, keep going, Aiden. Noah. Noah Carlo. I love Noah Carlo. I just feel like uh, Noah is, is so quiet and so sweet, and God's doing so much in his life. It's just been incredible. And so, having that moment with him was so special. Um, keep going. Caden, my man. Caden <laughs> uh, played basketball against Kendrick in high school. And now they're together worshiping Jesus side by side. It's absolutely incredible. It's great. But, uh, guys, you, you see, isn't this incredible? Real people in real places being baptized into the name of God. And that's what it's all about. And the last thing that Jesus says, he goes, listen, so you, you go make disciples, you, you baptize them in my name. And then he goes and, he goes, and then tell people to obey everything that Jesus commanded. And so what Jesus is saying, listen, it goes from being in that tub to going out in the world and actually living a lifestyle that is truly a kingdom lifestyle. I, I love this because it said, it said, Jesus says, teach them to obey everything that I've commanded, not some things. Uh, have you ever... Uh, have you, ever, have you guys heard of, like, the Thomas Jefferson Bible? you guys heard of that, Thomas Jefferson? Like, so one of the things that he did was he, he got a Bible, and uh, so he cut out all the things he didn't like. And he literally, literally cut them out, and then what was left was all the things of Scripture that he loved. And it's, it's really comical until you realize that you do the exact same thing. <laughs> we just do it mentally. And what Jesus is saying, listen, those verses that you don't highlight, those passages of Scripture, you're like, that can't actually mean that. Jesus is saying, listen, I want all of your life to be under my authority. Not because it's going to be a killjoy, but I want all of your life under my authority because you, like, you actually get to give the world a preview of what life in the future will be. A life of joy, a life of peace, satisfaction, and rest. Jesus says, make disciples who go out into the world to obey everything that I've commanded you. And so we see that we're people of worship. We see that we're people who work with Jesus. And then we're going to end here. Jesus says that we are people who wait. Matthew 28, 20, I want to read that again. Jesus says, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I love this about Jesus. Uh, Jesus loves us. So he closes his final words not with a command, but with a promise of comfort. Jesus loves us so much that he doesn't want to just give us a command and leave, but he closes with a promise of comfort. And what he says is, listen, I'm with you. And I am with you always. Listen, some of you need to hear that right now. Jesus is always with you. Not just when you're being a good Christian. Not just when you're being a good person. Jesus is with you in your mess He's with you in your storm. He's with you in in the struggle. And then it says, I'm with you to the end. He doesn't peter out. Have you ever had friendships that they're like, they're really in it with you until they realize how messy you are or how a little much you are, and they just kind of like distance themselves? The messier it gets, the closer Jesus gets to you. And Jesus is saying, I'm with you. And the reason that we can take confidence in that is because if you have a task as lofty as making disciples of all nations— and God is not with you to accomplish it, then we better not even start. So what he's saying is, listen, I'm with you. Be comforted. And I'm with you, which means I'm going to empower you to do what I've called you to do. And listen, I want to tell you, as you go, and as you go into the places that God has sent you, like, he's with you there. He is with you there. I want to I end with a verse that I think could just kind of be an, a prayer for us as a 710 community tonight before we go into worship. Uh, I was reading this morning, Zechariah, 823, not this morning, a couple mornings ago. I'm reading through Zechariah, and I'm like, I have no idea what's going on, this whole book. And I get to verse 8, chapter 23, uh, or uh, chapter 8, verse 23, and think about this through the language of the Great Commission that we just just read. He says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. In those days, ten people from all languages and nations will take firm hold of one Jew, somebody of the people of God, by the hem of his robe and say, let us go with you because we have heard that God is with you. 710, what if we were the type of community that cultivated such a life with God and with one another that people were were coming in these doors, not because of music, not because of teaching, because but because they went, we've heard God's with them. And we want to go with you. Let, let your life and how you walk with Jesus and the beauty of it. Be the type of life where people go, I go, I don't know what you believe, but I want to go with you. Because you're a person of joy. You're a person of life. And I don't know how, what other explanation there is except God's with you. I want to be that type of community. Do you guys want to be that type of community? Yes, let's pray. Lord, we love you. And we're so grateful for the love of Jesus. Uh, Jesus, we're thankful that you have uh, purchased us by your blood, that you've given us uh, joy, God, that you've given us freedom, God, that you've washed away our sin. Lord, we're thankful that you move towards us, um, God, that you forgive us and empower us, and God, then send us out into the world as your ambassadors, God, as your representatives. And Jesus, I pray, God, as we enter into this time of worship, um, God, I pray that you would show us that it's just really good to worship you. In the parts of our heart, God, that are holding us back, God, whether it's doubt, whether it's cynicism, whether it's discouragement, whether it's even unbelief, uh, Jesus, I pray that you would free us just to worship you. Because, Jesus, I know in my life, uh, the best times of my life have been when I've just laid it all aside and just worshiped you. And so, Jesus, we praise you. Jesus, you are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are on the throne. You are ruling all nations. God, as we speak, Jesus, your name cannot be overcome. And we bow down in your presence, and we give you your praise. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.